This is Lachlan Rouston. This is Raf Freeman. And you're listening to the fittest podcast in Australia, The Mind Muscle Project. All right, Mind Muscle Project, welcome back. So, this week, we're very excited, obviously joined by our coach, mentor, uh, fitness sales beast, Sean Greeley. Welcome to the show again. We are, we are going to talk about today, we, we basically did an episode two weeks ago or a week ago, uh, it was called Quit, Pivot, or Keep Going with Your Fitness Business. Um, and it obviously sparked a bit of a conversation uh, between the three of us um, about a, a follow-up, you know, because although we, we gave a lot of points from our side, you know, Sean, obviously you deal with thousands of gym owners every day. Uh, you also see it from uh, a completely different angle as well. Uh, and that's, I think we really wanted to do a continued version of that. And then I think really where we're, where we're heading with this today is, is we want to do it in two parts. So the first part, we want to try and figure out like, you know, exactly what the problem is, look at a bit of a solution um, for gym owners, um, you know, obviously still related to quitting, pitting or, or oh, sorry, quitting, pivoting or keeping going. And then in, a, in the second part, really talk about, you know, so, sort of the more effective and efficient ways that you can implement some really practical tools to improve your business. So um, also, you know, excited to announce, Sean, you're obviously going to be one of the, I think a few people that know you guessed it, you'd be one of the keynote speakers at our Gym our gym Owner Summit that's coming up. Still yet to come up with a name of the Gym Owner Summit. I want something cool. I see you using GymCon. It's like Gym Convention or like Gym, uh, gym nice. Conference, GymCon. But uh, there is there is a few GymCons in, in different countries, but they just look like really average anyway. So um, maybe the Australian GymCon could be a thing. But anyway, yet to come up with a name. But more importantly, Sean, you're going to be a keynote speaker at that event. So excited and then of course we're probably expecting a ton of different uh, MPE clients as well around Australia to be at that event uh, which we look forward to as well but uh, let's let's stay focused on today uh, Sean let's uh, let's dive into it so maybe maybe you can you can pick up where we left off at the end of that podcast you listen to it and maybe give us your thoughts a little bit and where, where you kind of landed with it yeah I thought uh, it was a great episode so um, you know you're raising the biggest issue that you know that we see with everybody around the world every every single person that starts a fitness fitness business or owns a gym at some point gets stuck right it's not a matter of if that's going to happen it's a matter of when that's going to happen and when businesses get stuck right and that means like your client base isn't growing your revenue is not growing uh maybe it's starting to decline you're very busy uh things get hard right? And operators uh, get tired. Uh, you get overwhelmed. You don't know where to focus and you don't know where to prioritize to move forward. Um, you know, the first step every just takes is work harder. Um, and you're putting it, you know, before it was 50 hours, now it's 60 hours and then it's 70 hours and then it's 80 hours. And, uh, but that usually fails to actually solve the problem. Uh, and you know, people can't find a way to break through. You get exhausted. You know, you're not seeing the returns for financial returns or freedom. And when your relationships are suffering, your health is suffering. That is not a good place to be. Uh, yet that is everybody has to earn their 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 stripes and get their badge on the entrepreneurial journey, working through their version of those issues. Uh, so I think this is a great discussion. Uh, because people, you know, so many people, they don't know if they should quit. They don't know if they should 
pivot their model. They don't know if they just need to double down and go harder. Um, and you know, the solution I think here that I, you know, I, I, uh, want to enforce to everybody is very much like a client that you work with in fitness, right? You see all the time, people that they started to work out, then they get stuck, they get injured, something happens. And they're just kind of stay on this hamster wheel of never really getting traction with their health and fitness, never really getting a, a high quality of health and fitness and vitality. And, you know, they, they're, they're on the hamster wheel for years or decades, right. Or just just decline. Uh, and business business owners go through the same thing. Uh, and when you're in that spot, you can't guess what's going on. You don't want to rely on just your emotions to get pumped up and you know have a good session today. You need to be able to step back. You need a way to really assess what's going on in your business, just like we assess what's going on with a client in fitness. You need a way to diagnose the problems and the issues. There's going to be generally, you know, several. Um, or even know that things are going great in many areas that maybe you didn't think they were, right? We want to have a, a way to benchmark some awareness around uh, different things. And then you need to prescribe a personalized plan, right? To get unstuck and grow. Just like in fitness, a templated program, one size fits all is only going to get you so far. And when mm. you can step back and individualize, you know, the assessment, the diagnosis, the prescription, and really get a, a good one, you know, for where the business is at today, uh, and then you bring the right effort, you know, and focus that you're going to be amazed at, oh my gosh, I'm getting gains right in my business. Like I would be getting in fitness. And, hmm. uh, that's what I want to bring to the conversation today. And hopefully we can help a lot of people, you know, a lot of owners and operators, uh, that, uh, that need to break through, you know, they need to solve these issues. Their families need them to solve these issues. Um, this is the work we do every day around the world. So Sean, can I ask a question when most people inquire with MPE for help, at what point are they in this quit pivot or keep going? Are they like, hey, we're going really well, we want to do better? Are they, man, we're like going okay, but we're like not sure if there's a future here and we need to like look for a pivot? Or they're like, hey, I'm basically at the breaking point. If it doesn't work here, like I'm done. Like what? what's the split there? Yeah. A little bit of everything, to be honest. Uh, we have people come in, you know, and for, for different reasons at different times. Um, I see people that are... Uh, that are at the point they're at a breaking point and we and i can tell you you know there's there's so many stories people that were decided okay i'm absolutely shutting down my business it is absolutely done i'm giving up and this is the end and then they give us a call and they say you know i just want to confirm like i'm going to shut down my business <laughs> but this is this is the right move right and they they because inside they, they secretly they they you know they would love to not have to quit their business not have to quit their mm. dream right but they just don't see a way and they do want to validate and, and, you know, very often we'll, we'll go through an assessment process and we'll say, you know, here's what the data tells us, right? So take the emotion out of it. Here's what the data tells us. And yes, you could shut down your business or here's how you could have a better plan that if you want to go execute, this is what's possible, you know, and ultimately you have to make that decision and people, you know, it, it's an emotional time, right? And it's, it's an emotional decision. Um, but I can't tell you how many times we've, been at that point with people um, and multiple points in their journey, right? This doesn't like, just because you figure this out, have a few good years, doesn't mean you run, don't run into challenges again at different phases of growth. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that's to be expected. That's another conversation. But as you reach different milestones in growth of their business, we talk about business stages of growth, um, you know, everything's going to break and you're going to 
you know, you get to relearn things at a new level. That's part of the journey. Um, mm. So that's very often the case. You know, people are, are at a place they're not sure really what's going on or how to figure it out. And, you know, it's creating stress and some friction. Uh, I do see some people, though, that, you know, they, they have been very successful, but they know they've gotten kind of lucky. They don't really exactly know what's going on and things are going well, but they are concerned, you know, mm. uh, that um, if I don't get a little bit better control here and I don't get a better sense of knowing what I don't know and how to manage this, then, you know, this is a house of cards that could be tumbling down. So um, that does come up as well. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely seen that before. Oh, wow. Fuck. These guys are expanding fast. Eight locations. Next thing you know, they're in the newspaper and there's all sorts of legal issues and stuff. So yeah, there's, there's definitely many ways. So that's when you pivot, (laughs) pivot your money to some other illegal business. Yeah. Um, so I pivot, guess pivot to a new country. <laughs> we talked a little bit about some of the um, obviously the the aspects of the problem. Um, obviously, people want a bit of a solution, but I think what's you know speaking from our perspective and you know just being really honest here is like you like when you start a business, you just don't know. Like you just don't know what you don't know, and I think that's just it's just a learning process the whole way, whole way. Like even when you started your gym, Sean, and even when you started MPE, like you didn't have all the answers, right? And it's like I think some people are kind of expecting to have the answers and know what to do when they start. But like, guys, we've been doing this for eight years and there's still shit that comes up every day. And we're like, oh, we still have no idea. We work with exclusively with business leaders and industry leaders, people that manage billions of dollars. And even they still like, oh, I didn't know that was like an interesting way that you, you know, use personality tests to hire people. I'm like, you have like 120 employees. You've never used a personality test? Like, no. I'm like, all right. No one knows what they're doing. Everyone's just trying to figure it out as you go. So, I mean, unless you're like a bank or, a, you know, a major accounting firm like a, a Deloitte or some shit, you know, most people are just trying to figure it out. Small business is just a process of figuring it out. But I think the benefit, obviously, of using a service like what you guys provide um, is that you have the collective pool of, of more different uh, models and, and, and different things to look at so you can kind of break down things more objectively. Whereas if you only zoomed in on your business, you miss all the things that other people are doing wrong and right and you can't learn from those mistakes. So um, when you go through the assessment process, obviously you guys have your formula that we use as well, but maybe it's probably worthwhile, Sean, you, you take us through the breakdown of, of where your assessment begins with gyms and, and what aspects you look at. Yeah. Great question. So there's several things to be assessing when thinking about your business and wondering, you know, should try to answer that question, right? Should you quit? Should you pivot? Should you keep going? Um, you want to look at a few things the, the first and foremost thing is you want to look at the market. Uh, and so, you know, what is happening in the market? Um, is there still a market? You know, are there still people who, you know, unfortunately, usually in fitness, yes, <laughs> there's still a market, right? Is there people who are still in pain, want to look better, want to feel better, you know, care about health and vitality? Yes, there's a market, right? Um, you want to look at different segments of the market. Has the market shifted? What's going on in the market? Uh, what's also going on with the competition in the market? Um, this is one that a lot of people, you know, don't, I see seems to be like people are missing, right? Like I had this model, we were killing it like 10 years ago and now it's a bit of a dog and I don't know why. And they don't realize like, Hey, like your model hasn't innovated in 10 years. Right. And there's now a hundred businesses around you within a, within a stone's throw of your front door that are, that basically do the same thing. Right. So of course, like there's market saturation, right. And there's market maturity. Um, and 
this isn't new and you're not the new kid on the block anymore. So it's, it's a, you know, the market has shifted, you know, I, I kind of equate it to like, like going surfing and, you know, you're sitting there and you're surfing and, you know, like you're not going to sit in the same spot and the waves are just going to keep coming to you the same way every time, right? Like some days there's good waves at the beach. Some days there's not good waves at the beach. Sometimes the, the break moves down here, right? You, you have to move like business is dynamic and the market is dynamic and all business is, is, you know, products and services that solve problems, right? For the market. Um, and the market is moving and mm. the solutions around the market are moving and you need to recognize that and don't stay like standing still. Right. And, and, uh, never innovate. And that, that's what happens. A lot of businesses, you know, especially, you know, businesses get grow, uh, they're very successful. Um, the owners and operators kind of relax a little bit and celebrate and, uh, you need to enjoy that. But if they're not consistently reinvesting to grow, if they're not keeping eyes on the market, if they're not innovating, then, you know, the market catch up, catches up, the market moves and evolves, competition catches up. And all of a sudden, you know, you wake up one day and, you know, <laughs> it's not the same game that it was five years ago or 10 years ago. So those mm -hmm. are very important things. And, and we do talk to, you know, great clients who've had many years of maturity and success of business, and they reach points and milestones in the in their business's life cycle where, you know, that, that is very much the case. The model has not innovated. Uh, the market has shifted. There's a lot more competition and they just, they're still, you know, trying to play checkers when it's a game of chess. Mm. I, I just, um, I want to get your thoughts on this on this, I guess, uh, old saying, but um, uh, you've got basically Bezos. I think he, he made pretty famous Jeff Bezos, owner of Amazon, if anyone doesn't know. Uh, he, he basically said, I love when our competition copies what we did this quarter because that's what we thought about two years ago. And yes. so basically what he's saying, he's thinking so far ahead all the time. What you see now was actually the product of, obviously, because his business is bigger and slower. It's like, that's what we were thinking about two years ago and what I'm putting out, you know, or what I'm thinking about now, I'm thinking two years ahead. And what I've been reading recently or what pops out to me off the pages of the stuff that I read is like, you know, you never want to think about your competition because you want to be thinking about yourself and just, you know, trying to stay as original as possible and move ahead because if you're always looking at the competition, you're always competing. Whereas if you just create your own lane, then you don't really have to compete with anyone. That was a lot of our thinking around Locker Room, but is there value in looking at the competition or is it better to just completely ignore them uh, and just and just think about your own path and trying to innovate uh, rather than compete on small things with other businesses? Yeah, I mean, they're both valid, right? So, So it's not to say that you know, Jeff Bezos doesn't keep aware of what's happening in the market, right? Those are, those are talking points in the market. I mean, Amazon's famous for having, you know, resellers and then they watch all the data and then they come up with their own product, you know, version of the product for cheaper of the stuff the resellers are selling the past two years. Now they knock the resellers off, you know, out, right. And people are really unhappy about that. So, you know, uh, actually Amazon to be truth be told, they're capturing data all the time and they're leveraging that to, you know, you can call it innovation. It's really just taking what's working and, you know, dropping a price and kicking everybody else out and dominating the market. So, you know, that, that, that is, you know, to add some color to the, to the Amazon story, uh, that's part of the conversation. So you do need to watch what other people are doing, what seems to be working well, like, you know, and, and for sure you want to be innovative. Uh, but, you know, part of being innovative is, is also understanding, what forces are moving in the market in terms of the customers and in terms of other providers. I think as well, it's easy to forget, we didn't realize at the start how 
important the market is. If you just like compare having, say, a CrossFit gym in 2012 to 2016, it's only four years. You know, it's only like one loop on your lease, but it's a completely different completely situation. Different. Yeah, you know, and it's like I think a really average gym in a strong market for what you're offering will go way better than a really good gym in a really average when the, when the market's really average for what you're actually doing. So it's a dramatic difference for a gym owner. Yeah, I mean, early days of CrossFit, right? That's a great example that maybe a lot of your listeners are kind of could could relate to. So early days of CrossFit in the U.S., um, you know, we'd have clients who would open facilities in like Chicago, for example, and you know they would be flooded with people coming in for um, you know fundamentals and just onboarding, you know, just just leads from the website, right? Like we're going to CrossFit.com, finding an affiliate and coming in. They're just every month was just a flood. It was a floodgates. And then eventually there was a lot more affiliates and a lot of saturation. And then also, you know, noise in the cross community, some of that died down and, and it's just, you know, and that businesses did not have the next kind of turn. Right. And there, that's where you saw as many affiliates leaving or dropping or, you know, going under, um, as starting. Um, and, and I think more so if, you know, we don't have all the metrics, but you know, what a lot of what the data has shown and, I'm sure contributed to the sale is, uh, you know, it's, it hasn't been on the growth swing. It's been on the decline, uh, cause the affiliates, you know, and, and that whole business, uh, has gone through a lot of transition as we know. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. So what's the second thing that we're looking at after the market? So obviously zooming in as we go, but, uh, we're the most zoomed out and then what's the next thing you're generally looking at? Yeah. The next thing is the model. Um, so we want to know the market and then we want to know the model. And that's where I think some of the biggest opportunities usually lie. Um, you know, oftentimes, you know, where people are, are, you know, messing around with little things like in like, let me just add like one more, one, you know, one more class to my offering and, you know, change the class time and like, okay, that's not going to move the needle right on like the overall unit economics of the business. And, profitability and cost structure. So uh, we need to be able to look at the big things first and the big opportunities. Uh, very often model is a big thing, uh, especially this past you know year and a half, huge shifts in model, you know, shifting to online service offerings, hybrid offerings. Uh, we saw a lot of people that were, you know, heavy in group and the, and the group model, you know, the high volume, low cost group training models have been on decline for a while, certainly with CrossFit saturation is a good example. Uh, and you have really, really talented, skilled coaches who are still, you know, people have an expectation they're only going to pay X amount of dollars for CrossFit, right? Because there's so many yeah. around, they think it's a commodity. Um, and it's, you know, it's what you guys have done with Creature and, and uh, what you do in Locker Room is to evolve to, you know, have a, a semi-private offering uh, or a private offering, right? Which is back the pendulum. You know, this is where fitness started in like 1980 was in personal training. And then it swung all the way to group training. And now it's, you know, swinging back a little bit to a, a blend, right? Of more individualized, you know, assessment, prescription, more service oriented customization. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and all of a sudden now you've got, you know, a bunch of people that have been activated kind of through group, uh, high volume, low cost group training. Uh, but now they want a better experience. They're willing to pay for a little bit better service. Um, and so now, you know, we've helped a lot of people transition to a semi-private offering. Uh, now, so their cost per, you know, their, their, their lifetime value of their customers is going up. They can run businesses with less customers and, uh, you know, higher margins uh, and less churn because they're higher quality customers that are more committed, engaged and spend more money. Um, so those are all just, you know, some examples of model evolutions. Uh, but model refers to, you know, what are the product and service offerings what is the, what are the margins? What's the cost structure? It's kind of everything around 
you know, how do you create solutions at scale uh, for the market? How do you do a way that's, you know, that solves the problem in the market in a better way um, and does it in a way that makes a profit and allows the business to continue to grow and sustain? So model can be very innovative as well. Um, and, uh, you know, um, yeah, that's a, a huge lever. And, and these are kind of the biggest buckets that we look at that affect things like what we package, you know, how we package and price services in fitness uh, and what it costs us, you know, to fulfill in time and labor um, to deliver those services uh, and how we reconfigure, you know, those questions about how we serve the market in a better, unique, more powerful way um, mm. for the customer and for the business to be, you know, financially successful and sustainable. I mean, yeah, one of the things that we really looked at for these, the market and the model was and maybe a way other people can think about it as well. Uh, and uh, it was a lot of it was from, you know, Seth Godin's mm. books, which was, you know, you build it based off the customer with one one particular customer in mind. And that's how we really built, well, that's how we looked at the market. Okay, which is the most underserved customer here? And then, okay, what would a model look like for this particular type yeah. of, of client? And that's really where, where we saw the hole. There was, okay, there's this type of customer in the market and what are the offerings for them at the moment? There's basically nothing. You know, there's like a little bit of some things, but it's very disjointed. There's not a single location or a single brand that serves this particular client. And we're like, all right, cool. This is the money here. And then that's why we went for it. Yeah. And are there enough of them around, right? Are they easy to reach and connect with? Uh, can you, you know, how do you connect with them? And uh, is there, you know, or do they have money to spend, right? Are they, are they, you know, are they, is there, is there value in serving that segment of the market? You know, this is also where I see a lot of people because fitness so often, you know, we get into fitness because we're passionate about helping people and serving and make a difference. And people are trying to sell, you know, high price services and they're in like, you know, the hood with no one that has any money. Right. And that's tough, tough to do, mm. you know? Um, and, uh, um, or right, they just want to serve everybody because they want to they want to see everybody have the kind of emotional experience and transformation they've had in their life, which is great. But you know, there's a difference between charity and social services, and business and sustainability, right, and profit and unit economics. So we have to balance those things. And and it's kind of you know a great question is like how do you reconcile? Are you a, a, a mission focused entrepreneur? Are you a purpose focused entrepreneur? Are you an opportunity driven entrepreneur? And, and how do you balance those out to really, you know, businesses to be successful, sustainable, impactful, right? Those are all great questions um, and uh, to spend time with and explore. Mm. Yeah, I also think this one can have the most, people can be the most limited in their thinking. Like you get yes. PTs that are like, man, I just, anything more than one-on-one and like, <laughs> Bro, children will die. Like it's just not safe. You know, there's there's not a possibility of that. And then you get the other end as well. People like couldn't imagine having less than like thirty people in a in a group class. They're like, man, it's just not me doing anything else for yeah. whatever reason. So um yeah. sometimes you just gotta really look at that and think, hey, it's one of the best places you can experiment and see what you enjoy and see what brings you success. Yeah, yeah. and this, there's this, also so I was, I was gonna say there's also just so many bad ideas that come up in model as well. Like that's probably one thing you, <laughs> I've had a yeah. few conversations with people that have like given me ideas and I'm like, this is potentially one of the worst ideas I've ever heard in my life. And in fact, like you're spending money in all the wrong areas, you know, it's like, man, you know, like most gyms need like a better feature wall. And so like, we're going to like blend wood with cement and that's like the <laughs> yin and yang. I'm like, dude, people yeah. don't give a fuck about the feature wall. <laughs> like it's just not important, you know. There's just okay. tried and true models out there that have been for oh, a long yeah. time that most yeah. people have not tried. 
Yeah, people get really caught up in, you know, in in they think their thing that they're passionate about is 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 what it's about and it's you know you understand business it's not about you it's about the market you know and i get yeah. it if it's a personal brand it's a service and you're the one providing service this is part of your identity and who you are and it's your passion i, I get it all that stuff's relevant to the conversation um and we talk about a concept of thrive zone finding you know the people you love serving the problems you love solving and the model it's going to ensure you make a profit doing so and, and really the intersection of those those things are important uh but you know, people get do get very kind of obsessive and because they're passionate about fall in love with their thing and and you know, they don't realize business is not about you. It's about everybody else that's gonna, mm. you know, give you money. Um mm. and uh, you know <laughs> that's, that's it. Yeah, that is very true. Yeah. But on the topic of money, yeah. the next thing you're looking at, um, you know, after the model is it's also it's also gonna make financial sense, right? Yes. Yes. So then we get into it. Once we kind of understand the market, we understand the model, we need to be assessing finances, right? And finances refers to a lot of the in, in model and market will dictate finance, right? Because then we know who we're we serving. You know, what's the model? What can we charge? You know, what's the cost structure for that business look like? Um, are there, uh, you know, what can we, what does the operating expenses look like? Um, you know, what is the cost to labor to fulfill these types of services? Can we, you know, where can we bring in talent? How do we scale talent uh, and labor? Um, you know, all those are questions um, that are going to help dictate. You know, and a great example is like, where is, you, where is the, where are you going to, if it's a brick and mortar location, where do you want to have the business physically located, right? You guys have a locker room as a brand new, you know, beautiful facility in the CBD, right? And it's a, the most expensive real estate, you know, at least you've ever had, right? So that's going to, because of the market you want to serve, Blockroom serves, you know, business industry leaders. Uh, and uh, the model is, you know, high price, you know, semi-private training services, right? And therefore that's going to dictate some of your cost structure. You need to be located in an area that's conveniently located in the CBD. So it's going to be expensive real estate. Uh, you, because of the model, you're going to have different requirements for your square footage, right? That's going to determine some things, different equipment that's going to be required. So all this kind of comes into, finance and cost structure. And then we've got kind of allocations of, we know, you know, we need to understand percentages of what is our, you know, profit percentages at different stages of growth. What is our, um, you know, owner's pay look like at percentages of growth. What is our operating expenses? What does taxes look like? And we need to understand these things so we can understand the unit economics of the model. And most often where people get in trouble is they just don't understand the unit economics and the cost structures are off, right? They're paying out way too much in labor. For instance, they, they were a coach and they felt they didn't, you know, <laughs> get their dues from the gym they were working for before. And so they're going to pay all the coaches, you know, six, I mean, you see it like I, you saw it a few years ago, people promising all your coaches are going to be, you know, six figure, <laughs> you know, uh, coaches and, all of a sudden, you know, people running these businesses where the coaches are making six figures, the operator is barely paying the bills, right? And the cost structure of the business is totally off and unsustainable and, and unfulfilling. Mm. So why would you own that business, right? There's just more risk and liability for you and there's no return. Um, and so, you know, managing these things and understanding them is, is really important. And I'd say the most important thing is like understanding profit first, right? So you should have profit at every level of the business, uh, being able to understand owner's pay, and how to calculate owner's pay and what's a reasonable level of owner's pay given your model, given your unit economics, given your size of growth. Uh, understanding taxes, right? Taxes should never be a surprise. Every dollar that you come in, you're going to have to pay some tax at some point, right? Most cases, you should understand that. You should have a system for that. 
uh, and then you're going to have, you know, operating expenses, right? And so uh, you need to understand, you know, all those things, understand your allocations. Very often we got to move, you know, these percentages around. We got to change some things in looking at the business. And most importantly, I will say is um, looking at cash forecasting. The biggest mistake we see businesses make, and you guys know we teach this, you know, day one when we start working with the business is we help them understand the cash, uh, you know, flow in their business and we help them forecast cash projection. When you can see uh, lots coming up ahead, right? I have, I know I have this stuff coming in and reoccurring revenue. I have this amount I can project in sales. I have these amount of expenses. I can start to see what's working, what's not, and I can make better decisions that lead my business to success as opposed to just randomly thinking, ah, I think I'll buy another treadmill today. I really want another rower. Uh, let's get some new squat racks, right? Like people make very uh, uninformed uh, purchase decisions for their business and very uninformed, like, let me go on a holiday. Let me do, expand and get a three times size of facility and kick up my rent three times. And they just haven't run the numbers to really have a plan of how that's going to be successful and sustainable and protect the business, you know, as they grow and as they, they expand the business. So, Finance is, you know, that's the reason why most businesses go out of business, right? It's because they all of a sudden, you know, the finance aren't, finances aren't working and they got to either take on debt to pay bills, right? Or close their doors. Uh, and so understanding finance, managing finance, if you're not willing to, you know, get in there and do that work, then you should not own a business, period. Mm. It's, yeah, not, I don't it's know not worth it. The, the size of some of the spreadsheets, I know Raf has up pretty good, pretty significant, but I know some of the, You've, you've got some certain formulas so you know i always will come up with stupid ideas and he'll be like all right cool that works if you know you can charge you know in this particular case it needs to be 5x this you know and it's like, all right well would people pay 5x you know whatever the the cost it is to run it probably not okay it's not going to work you know and then just having important knowledge and simple algorithms around that sort of stuff i think is it ties really tight into finances i know there was a point where raf started having algorithms and it was like okay cool everyone's overpaid time to have some hard conversations and it was like to his credit he had those conversations with people and you know most of those employees are not in the business anymore but they're just good lessons right it's like okay once you commit to a certain amount of money with someone if you get that wrong basically and you walk it back it's, it's just a matter of time for that person to leave so getting the finances right from the start i think is, is is critical as well you know i reckon it's probably what most people get hugely out of doing a franchise. A lot of the time I think franchises last longer than non-franchises. Partly obviously it helps bring in clients, but also they, they this is what they usually set you up with. And when you just go do your own thing for the first time, it's pretty pretty challenging to get this right from the start and makes it frustrating. Yeah, when someone can kind of show you a performer that has a lot of this determined in the model, right? And they they've they've done the math already and can explain it to you, then they're like, "Oh, you know, yeah, it makes sense, right?" <laughs> so, uh, you need to understand this for your business. Um, and, you know, I get it. I mean, it is, it is scary. It is difficult. If you don't experience this, you need to ask for help. You know, that's the most important thing. There's no shame. The only shame is in not asking for help and then, and then struggling and going out of business, right? Or yeah. uh, because you didn't. So uh, everybody needs help. Um, and, you know, all the time, right? This is why CFOs exist. This is why, you know, every little business, you don't have mm. less finance people in your company have more finance people in your company because the more you grow the more you work through the stuff you, everybody needs support to work on this and manage it and make good decisions so uh yes i encourage you know probably the number one thing for gym owners is to ask for help get help with finance understanding finance understanding cost structure um you know these these three things market model finance we get these right 
we just kind of earn the right to then work on the rest of the things in our business. But if we get these wrong, if we don't get, you know, if we get wrong, the market, the model and the finance, then end of conversation. We don't even get to talk about anything else in your business. So it is yeah. the most important foundation. And it's, it's, it's crazy because just so many people get it so wrong, you know, and it's like, you don't even have to get them all wrong. You just have to get one of those wrong. Yeah. And it's like, one wrong. it doesn't work. And yeah. it's like, you do, you show up every week, like you said, you do 50, 60, 70 hours and like, you just don't get any money. And it's like, well, this is fucked. I need to do something else. We've been there. We've done that. We've worked oh. relentlessly for no pay and like yes. the business loses money and you're like, what is going on here? And yeah, you got to, you got to go back to the most zoomed out version of it. We're offering the wrong thing to the wrong people and I'm, and when we're paying people too much or our costs are off. So just all lessons, but um, people listening to this, shortcutting the, the heartache or as much as you can. Um, so next, um, we've got the operations. Now, um, how, I guess probably an important thing would be like, how would you define operations? Because, you know, in my head, it's kind of tying a little bit to model. So what are you, when you've got, when you're diagnosing operations, what are you looking at specifically? Yeah. Well, all these things tie together, right? So none of these things work independently. Yeah. <laughs> They're all sure. systems that are, it's like the human body. Like your, your heart does not function independently of, you know, your lungs and breathing and all those things. So these are systems that work together. Operations really refer to, right, when, uh, you know, let's talk about just the most basics, like how your business executes on the work you do, right, to serve clients. Um, so when someone walks in your door, what happens? You know, uh, when they, you know, when, when it's time for them to renew, what happens when it's, you know, are they getting tested and assessed? What happens? You know, how are you delivering sessions? You know, are they happy? How are you gauging whether they're happy or not? How do you renew them? You know, all these things are part of the day to day. You know, I think the simplest thing for operations to talk about is once someone gives you money, right? They say, I'm, I'm want to sign up and give you money. Okay, great. How do you manage that journey so that you're delivering on your promise and the value that they expect to receive? if not, you know, and, and more so the value they expect to receive and how are you continuing that journey to serve them in powerful ways? So they stick around and they stay, they, uh, renew, uh, they, uh, they pay, they refer other people to you. They buy other things when you have them available that make sense for them and add, you know, more value to their experience in life. Uh, so, you know, all of those things are when it's just you, you know, and, and you're the one doing everything and you're super passionate, you know, as, uh, even that still takes work to figure out, right? But then as you start to grow and have yourself and two, three, four, five, you know, 10 people, it's a more, you know, robust machine to coordinate, to manage, to making sure we have consistency in the experience, in that journey. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody feels good about, you know, um, you know, coming back, right? So mm -hmm. uh, just like any business, right? We have systems that deliver the value of the customer. And we need to be managing those systems and have a lot of internal controls on systems so that the business continues to uh, succeed and you know deliver happiness to customers. Mm. Yeah, and I think a lot of gym owners can probably would stick with their gym if they could improve the operations. Like they actually love the gym, the gym's good, but just the operations are off, so it just becomes not fun anymore for the gym yeah. owner. Yeah, and it gets hard, you know, when they're because by the way, this gets harder as you grow, right? There's a lot more things to coordinate, right? Even just look at your, if you have staff, like coordinating your staff schedule, right? Making sure mm. your staff are all happy and delivering, you know, on, they're on stage every day, right? Are they happy? Are they delivering a good experience? Like, you know, uh, it, it takes a lot of work to coordinate those efforts and to manage those efforts and it takes a lot of work in systems and systems management and people leadership because we're talking about labor and human beings, you know, we're not talking about widgets and 
punching out things on a factory conveyor belt. So, uh, in service business models. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it takes, mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's a, it's a different skill set, you know, uh, and different areas of the business, you know, like sales and marketing kind of bringing in the business is different from actually serving and doing the work and keeping people happy in the business. Right. And they're both critical skill sets. Every business has to have a way to bring people in the door. Every business has to have a way to serve people and make them happy. And every business has to have a way to kind of manage like the finance and operations kind of back end administrative pieces that, you know, allow that stuff to continue. So, mm. um, very, very important and operations, uh, you know, especially as you start to grow your team, uh, how you coordinate, align those systems that takes a lot of work um, and uh, a lot of passion, especially because you're going to make mistakes. Your team's going to screw something up. You know, people are going to be unhappy from time to time. And, you know, as you said, those are all part of part of the journey, um, mm. you know. Yeah. One, one thing I'll add to operations as well is like uh, if you if you have really good systems, it, if you have a bad team, though, it's really hard. It's like you don't know what's wrong. It's like you could have really good people with bad systems and it's like, okay, it's still kind of working. Obviously, they'll get frustrated and they'll leave after some point. But if you have like, you know, really good really good systems, really good operations, but just terrible people, it just never works. And you could think, oh, well, you know, my business sucks. But it's like, well, actually, you just don't have the right people here. Or maybe you've got good people, but they're just in the wrong seats, you know? So, it's like if you take a franchise example, you know, you can make the argument that their operations are extremely sound, right? They're much more so than other small businesses, but the people that hire for those franchises might be terrible at hiring. So, they just put people that are just really bad at using very simple recipes. It's just like, you know, someone's trying to bake a cake, you know, the instructions, it's like seven instructions to follow, not that hard, 400 mils of water, you know, three scoops of flour, two eggs. Some people still screw that up, you know? It's like, well, maybe... You know, your business is fine. Don't have to change your operations. This is obviously why you diagnose this stuff, ask the right questions. You just might need a better person just executing on it, following the recipe. So, um, there's, yeah, I always think there's like two aspects to operations, like the recipe yes. and then the person doing the recipe. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yep. The people and then the people executing uh, the process. Mm. Yeah, I guess it was just like always that myth. I felt like, or at least in my head, that if you had like McDonald's level operations, so simple, so straightforward, anyone could follow them. But that's just like not a good comparison, I think, for a gym service that it's just like you can have really good operation systems, but you still need to plug the right person into it. You yeah, can't just I mean, put anyone in there. Yes. And even McDonald's has to fire employees, right? That are just not, not yeah. a good fit. So every yeah. business has to address, you know, the labor component. Yeah. That's when you know you suck. Like, man, I got five McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. I, it's I like did one not, minute I, on the patty. Yeah. Yeah. Wait for the ding. Flip the patty. It's like yeah. couldn't get it right. It's like, yeah, dude, they cool. yeah. just wasn't consistent enough, the operations for me. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't couldn't figure it out. Yeah. It wasn't clear. Um, they didn't, they right, didn't so get me. They didn't get. They didn't get my vibes. You know. <laughs> yeah. I don't think burgers are gonna work out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just not passionate. Not passionate about flipping burgers. Um, um, we're on to the good stuff now, though. Yes, we are. Um, yeah. So next most important things to to really be assessing are your sales processes, uh, and uh, you know this is good. We've been talking about this one a lot a lot recently, um, mm. and you know it is the most important thing. Uh, ultimately, this is the point of which a business, you know, takes people that are, have an interest and converts that interest to commitment um, and to revenue. Uh, and uh, I think it's important not just because it's the process that generates revenue for the business, but it really, in our in our world in fitness, it is the point of decision 
uh, which someone makes it is makes a commitment to change their life right to to their health and to their health and fitness journey and so how we lead those conversations and the processes and systems we learn how to how to lead those conversations more powerfully and more effectively uh when it comes to commitment that is that is the i think you know you guys hear me talk about this all the time it is the most important thing in business and i think it's the most important thing we can develop that skill set as coaches as leaders because at the end of the day a lot of people can teach someone how to do a squat right but in terms of inspiring and leading commitment to someone's health and fitness goals that is special right and that is a special skill that you can spend a lifetime developing and mastering uh, and ultimately it's, it's worth the most, you know, that skill to develop because it makes it, you know, translates value in the world. Um, so, uh, I'm super passionate about sales, you know, especially for our industry, uh, because I think, you know, uh, you know, what, what are we selling at the end of the day? We're selling, um, you know, what, or what, let's put it this way. What are people buying? People are buying, you know, something's really hard, you know, you're going to give me money and I'm going to, you know. I'm going to make you sweat and work hard and you're going to have to change all your lifestyle habits and you're going to be completely disgruntled, you know, for a while. And it's going to be very difficult and disruption everywhere in your life. Um, and, you know, hopefully you do that, you do that well, and this all, this all works out. Right. So that that's essentially, it's, it's a very hard service and product to sell in some ways. Right. If you want to look at it from that perspective, yet it is the most powerful, you know, thing to sell and to offer because it, transforms people's life and there's very few things in this world that can transform someone's life mm. like forever and fitness mm. does that fitness is one of is is like the foundation of personal development in the world right it, it's the one thing that unites every human being like if you're alive and breathing you need to look after this shell of a body right and even transform your energy your spirit your emotions and fitness does all of those things so it's this interesting world we operate in um of of leading people powerfully um, through, you know, through those decisions and commitments uh, because it's ultimately mm. all about them. You know, you can, you can buy a car, uh, you can buy a TV, uh, you can't buy a six pack, you know, uh, you got to earn it and you're going to pay me money and you're going to do work and, you know, and, and you got to earn it. Right. Uh, we got to put in the mm. work. Uh, and so it's a, it's a really, really fascinating thing. I, I could go on you know, for a while about mm. this, we'll, we'll keep moving. But um, things that matter here is, you know, how are you priced in relation to different segments of the market? You know, how many people that you meet with are actually signing up? Uh, what are they committing to when they sign up? Do they come in like just jamming, you know, when they sign up and like, you know, ready to rock? Or are they like, man, eh, I'll see kind of how it goes. I'll try it a couple of sessions. You know, those kind of, you know, closes are not really closes, right? Those are really weak commitments that were not effective leaders uh, in those conversations at that point. So, um, these are all things that matter when it comes to sales. And I think at the end of the day, sales is the lifeblood of every business. And it's going to determine, you know, how much you make. It's going to determine how happy your clients are, how committed they are, you know, uh, and it's going to give you confidence, you know, in your ability to succeed in business. Or it's going to be your kryptonite. It's going to forever, you know, you're going to struggle because you're scared to ask people money for, for money. You don't know how to talk to people um, and uh, you're ineffective in leading conversations. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'll add um one thing to your your philosophy on on sales and how it can transform people's lives. Like I was having a a face to face yesterday with a potential client, and he said um he said he was he's extremely out of shape. You know, we're talking like serious health issues here. Uh, but equally, someone you know worth hundreds of millions of dollars, and he said 
you know, I want to be around to to see the hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, and, and live my life with my kids and stuff. And I said, okay, well, we'd start by losing 10 kilos in the first 90 days. And he, and it just, I hadn't had anyone ever say this before, but he said, if I, he's like, mate, if you, if I lost 10 kilos in 90 days, he goes, I'd let you baptize my kids. I was like, and he was dead serious. He was like, I will name them after you. I was like, holy shit, this is like, this will absolutely change this guy's life. And I think it's just a good reminder because where our heads are in the business so much that when you zoom out and you look at actually what you're doing, it's like really important work because like you said, it is easier just to sell someone a car, start an alcohol company, have a clothing company. And it's not like they're easy businesses, but they're very different to what we get people to do. You know, it's like as soon as someone makes the purchase, like the effort's over, you know, they just get to enjoy whatever it is. It's like, okay, now you make the purchase. Now things are really fucking hard. But <laughs> but to but to go, to go back to where you kind of finished up with sales, it's like if I don't, if we don't get good at sales uh, and we don't continue to get good at it and I think it's a lifelong pursuit more so than kind of any other skill set in many ways in the business, um, we can't grow and we can't achieve our goals. What I always think to myself and so obviously we have invested very heavily uh, we got a big fucking wake-up call from the universe about sales when we started Locker Room. We thought we were really good. Uh, we tripped over. We fell. Uh, we got we got run over by 18-wheeler a few times. And then we kind of peeled ourselves off the ground. We're like, <laughs> Sean, we need help. Uh, so we revisited the whole thing. And, and during that kind of last sort of, I'd say, what, 30 yeah. to 60 days of, of the relearning process, the kind of come to Jesus moment, like you're not as good as you think you are and you still got a lot of work to do. It's incredible how much... Um, I guess how much you realize that getting better at sales affects so many other areas of the business because it's like how you talk to clients, how you talk to your staff, how you talk to yourself, like what you let yourself off the hook and what you don't. Uh, even like your confidence, your posture, like how you approach people and stuff, it's just like it changes everything. So yeah, I think it's um it's not valued enough. And you know, it's, it requires so much work, work, but I'll tell you when you like make a really good sale, it's like the most satis- it's probably the most satisfying the, f- the the best part about business it's pretty hard to argue that you, you close a mad sale you you put lots of work into and you've coached yourself up on it and it's like i don't know it's just like it's like euphoria yeah. it's like you, you, oh, you feel like you're floating and someone <laughs> changes the trajectory of their life forever right like those two things happen simultaneously it's it's amazing it's the most special thing it is um yeah it's positive all around yeah yeah, it's, and why, it's, it's a big difference to the the other side of it. So when you do a poor job, you get no money, <laughs> and the other person like stays unhealthy, and you kind yeah. of depart both knowing that. Yes, no, no, that's yeah, nobody wins, right? Everybody's no. miserable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, now to transition to the next part, uh, marketing. I actually heard a really good summary the other day. I tell you can tell me if you agree or not with it, Sean. But someone wrote on um, LinkedIn. They said marketing's job is to make sales easier. And I was like, you know what? There's a lot of truth to that. By For sure. creating a lot of clarity, by creating something really enticing, you make the job of sales easier. It doesn't make the job of sales easy. You still have to have all the sales skill set. But really, really good marketing means that someone understands the product really well, understands the service, the, the value and everything so that when they get to the sale, they're a lot closer to the purchase point or there's a lot less confusion. There's a lot more clarity. It's like... yeah. There's all this consistency and so they're like, all right, cool. I know exactly what I'm getting here. I'm willing to pay for that. Yeah, I agree 100%. That's the job. And I think that's where a lot of people I think today um, miss it completely. They, they, they think marketing is something over here of like 
creating content and, you know, having conversations and, you know, getting comments and likes and social media and like all this kind of stuff that has nothing to do with your business signing up customers and creating revenue <laughs> and actually creating value for people, right? Like that they're paying for. So it's very easy to get marketing because marketing is, is so broad and big and scope and there's so many different, you know, avenues and rabbit holes in marketing um, that, people get completely lost in it forever. Um, very confused, very overwhelmed. And like, you know, at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's, it's job is to bring the right people to your door, ready to, ready to engage those conversations and sign up, become customers. That's job number one. Right. And anything else is kind of, you know, secondary. We talk about, you know, uh, branding versus direct response, right? Which is more important. The reality is there, there are two kind of philosophies and disciplines of marketing. Branding is like awareness of your name, of your logo, right? An identity, a, a, a emotion that people associate and words they associate when they hear your name or see your image. Those things are important. Um, direct response is really, you know, very accountable. Like what did we spend in uh, what did it produce in terms of leads and what did it produce in terms of revenue customers and ROI, right? And both, and, and people from different schools of thought, you know, direct response marketers would like, that's all they do. And branding people, that's all they do. And the reality is, you know, it's all important, right? And I think everybody will tell you, and a lot of people that have grown up in direct response and applied direct response, you know, to small business success and scale and had success have come to, you know, we're maybe anti-branding and then now kind of understand how things fit together today and why they're important, how they all, they all at the end of the day, um, connect the world, um, uh, you know, uh, in helping people know you exist, uh, what value you create, uh, and come to, you know, 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 know they can, you know, come to you when they want to solve a problem or achieve a goal. So, uh, at the end of the day, yes, if your marketing, let's put it this way, if your marketing is not focused first and foremost on leading people, the right people to your door to sign up and, and become your client or customer, uh, then you're going to go out of business very, very quickly. And you're going to waste a lot of time and you're going to waste a lot of money and be very distracted in things that are not effective uh, in moving the needle in your business. Mm. Yeah, I think that's, you hit the nail on the head at the start there is that marketing is so broad that so many people get lost in, in where to start and what to do. And it's just, it's, it's just really important to make sales. So... <laughs> You know, yeah. you can actually make sales without marketing. You know, you can yes. just outreach. You can just contact clients. You can just have a, a nice website with some photos and an Instagram and, and that's kind of it. You know, you just, you're really just trying to make sales, you know, and I think so many people just start with the marketing, but they just, that it's not helping the sales, you know, and if it's not helping the sales, then you don't really need whatever you're doing, you know, it's so, um, I mean, yeah, I, we always. I know people no, today so that, are, that are running six and seven figure businesses that don't even have a website. Like, you know, so yeah. like it really is, uh, yeah, I think, I think, uh, people get very confused. It is very, it can be very confusing because it's been my responsibility for a long time. Um, you know, I've gone on so many different journeys with it. I think probably the important thing for people to understand, I think with marketing as well, marketing and branding is there's just a lot of investing in marketing and branding for a very long time without necessarily seeing a direct reward. So, even though sometimes we say like, yeah, you don't really need it, equally, you do need it and as you're doing it, you have to also appreciate that it's not always going to, the value of it's not always going to appear straight away. You're not always going to know straight away, you know, and every now and then you get a hint, you know, someone comes in, man, I really liked that video series that you did. It's like, oh, fuck, I did that six months ago. I didn't even realize it took this long for that to have an effect 
to help someone to bring them in the door. So it's more like this long-term investment you make and you just got to have a lot of faith that, you know, it, it, it's, it's working. Um, so it, that's why it can be tough marketing. It can be very tough. Well, I would, I would challenge that a little bit. I think there does need to be accountability, you know, in our marketing. Um, and you need to have making sure the dollars and time you invest in marketing um, are producing, you know, short, medium and long-term returns, right? Um, and uh, especially when we're small businesses, we're not VC funded. We don't have investors, we're using our own money. And we got we to gotta make sure, you know, we put a dollar in, we can pull out, you know, five, right? So we, we do... Uh, that being said, we do one once we can can produce some some profit, uh, and you know sometimes we got to pump a little bit of the machine to get it going. Uh, we do want to make reinvestments that are going to support continued growth and success, you know, in the medium and long term. So um, it's important, you know. I do think marketing needs to be accountable, and marketing I think is the area where a lot of people waste a lot of money, right? They pour thousands and thousands of dollars into my new website, a bunch of ads all kinds of things and have nothing to show for it. And you, you can't afford to do that, you know, unless you've got an endless bank account and someone feeding you cash, uh, that we have to be accountable. You know, we have mm-hmm. to produce results. We have to hold ourselves accountable to results uh, in our marketing efforts and activity or businesses will die. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And the uh, last thing here that we're assessing is the team. Why did you um, choose to put it at the end? I think for our businesses um you know uh generally speaking uh, they're owner operator businesses and it starts with kind of you and you are the business right and then as you start to grow uh the team becomes bigger and a, a bigger part of the equation um so if you've got you know if you've got a but even still you know if you've got a very big uh machine um you know, we want to, we want to go through the other elements really first to making sure, you know, if you start, if you're worried about, you know, can I get Johnny to be a little more engaging in the class? Meanwhile, like your cost structures off, you know, the model sucks. Like we're focusing on the wrong things. Right. So I think it is important. The team is critical. Um, but, uh, you know, um, these other elements are ultimately, uh, going to make the biggest impact first and foremost. We got to get them right. Uh, and then, um, and if you're the business owner operator, you know, you want to get these, th- these things right yourself um, and then start to continue to add and build a team that will execute the model that will run the, you know, the standard operating procedures that run the operations and can execute on the sales and marketing, all that kind of stuff. So team is critical. Um, and especially as we start to grow, right. We run out of capacity with our enough hours in the day. Um, and uh, we need more people to do work and to help the business grow. So, uh, team, team is critical and all these are related. You know, we can't talk about any of these things in isolation without uh, their relation to the other, the other, uh, you know, six things kind of we've talked about today. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we get to earn the right to, to work on the team when we've, you know, done the right things to set up our market, our model, our finance, our ops, our sales marketing to succeed. Mm. You know, I think it's interesting is like uh, watching a lot of gym owners start their first gyms and, see them progress over the years, not just ourselves, is like a lot of people only think to hire coaches. Like very other, very few people think that there's, you know, a high, it's almost in some some respects like, okay, you're hiring this person to do coaching that you're doing at the moment because you don't want to do as much coaching. So that means that you have to then replace those hours with some of the other things we just mentioned today. You got to work on the finance, you got to build better systems, you got to work on the sales, you got to do marketing. 
But it's almost like if you absolutely hate and suck at those things, it's almost better in some respects. Like, okay, don't do as much coaching. Maybe hire a casual staff member, but maybe hire a part-time salesperson. Maybe hire a part-time marketing person. Maybe hire a part-time you know, accountant or operations person to help you run that side of things better. But no, none of the business owners ever think that. They just think, all right, I'll just hire more coaches. And so they constantly get pushed back into work that they're not, not good at and don't want to do and suck at. And so business never really seems to grow because Ralph always said, it's like, okay, we're going to hire a coach. We need to make, because we need to make those hours up in sales. And so that's what we're going to, we're going to sales and then maybe some marketing, some finance stuff. So it's like only hire that person if it's because you need to move immediately into the other tasks and put that same time. Or some people, they just don't even do it. They just hire a coach and they go, cool, extra seven yeah. hours a week to fucking sit on the beach. Now I can go to breakfast. And scroll on Instagram. It's like, no, 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 wrong, you know? Hire a salesperson instead. Hire a marketing person, you know, with that, that spare cash. So, um, I think that's, you're kind of nodding your head, Sean. I think you sort of agree there and it's a, a common problem, I think, for, for owners. Yeah, absolutely. And the other, some other things I'll just add that are really critical here with the team is, you know, we we allow our models, to, you know, I see in fitness, people allow their, their model to be too much, uh, you know, a talent and personality dependent. You know, we just, we just hope good people will just figure it out. And we don't have, you know, there's nothing documented around, you know, as you said, the recipe, right? How to how to flip the burgers, right? It, you don't walk in with that and you expect people to figure it out. Oh, they're certified. They'll know what to do. Well, no. <laughs> no. There still needs to be documented operations for the business. Uh, we need to be having a systems to train the team, to develop them, making sure they're, you know, they're delivering success for their clients and how we track and measure that. And ultimately, you need systems to recruit, hire, onboard, you know, staff members and team members to grow when, um, when, you know, when we need to keep growing or if someone's left or, you know, or if something's not working out, we have to fire someone. We have to have those systems in place. So you're not held hostage, you know, and, uh, and struggling. And most people, they don't, you know, and it's tough when you're a small business to, to kind of create that leverage and space to do that. And then what happens, you know, they got a fire trainer, trainer quits. Now they're back to, you know, working 80 hours a week because they got to make up all those sessions and try to try to do it themselves to keep the business alive. Right. And it's a really tough thing. You're all, you know, you're always kind of in many respects struggling with this. I got, I'm overstaffed in labor and uh, I'm overpaying for it or I'm understaffed in labor, um, you know, and I'm, I'm just working too many hours and I'm exhausted. Right. And we, it's a tough uh, needle to thread uh, in service businesses um, and specifically mm -hmm. our businesses. Um, so, you know, it needs, it needs focus. It needs attention, needs work. And there's different strategies to address this as part of, I know what we're going to talk about in, in uh, on our next episode, we'll kind of start talking through solutions of all these things. Uh, but you know, the, the overall, you know, big concept we want to bring, bring to light today was businesses get stuck. Things get hard. You don't know what to do. Remember, this is just like fitness. You need to take a step back. You need to assess the business. You want to diagnose the problems and issues in the business. And then you really want to get the right prescription uh, of uh, how to go solve these things in the right way, in the right order, and focus on the right things that will move the needle, right? If I want to lose 20 pounds, I'm not running around doing wrist curls at the gym. Uh, you know, I'm going to focus a, the right plan that's going to move the needle with my fitness and you got to be doing the same thing with your business. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, obviously talked about a lot of stuff today, a lot of information that people digest, uh, but fortunately staying ahead of the game, you guys have, um, have a new kind of online 
diagnosis tool. Uh, it's like a scorecard thing. Obviously, been in the works for a while. Pretty valuable tool to help kind of gyms assess this. Um, where can they? Oh, how does that kind of work, and, and where do they get it? Yeah, well, I'm so excited to share this. We we have taken you know our last 15 years of business and serving uh, now you know close to 50,000 uh, fitness businesses we've served around the world in 96 countries, and we have taken all those learning, all those data points, and we have created an, a, you know, a, a assessment tool. Um, so you can, you can come get a 15 point, uh, diagnostic, you know, business assessment, uh, and it will rank you in these areas that you'll answer some questions on and you will get an overall score for your business. And you also get, uh, five individual scores, uh, in the areas of finance, ops, sales, marketing, and team that will help you understand, you know, is your business uh, in peak condition? Is it in uh, stable condition? Is it in critical condition? Or is it is it really on life support? Uh, and then more importantly, what to do about it? You know, what are some tips and what are some things you need to think about to start to move this forward? Uh, and yeah, that's the output. The output is you will get a, uh, we call it your fitness business growth scorecard. And we'll give you this individualized plan uh, for your business uh, when you complete the assessment. Uh, and that's available for free online. Uh, I believe we'll probably put a link to to the website where we put everything on, you know, uh, yeah. on your site. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, we'll give people that access here to, um, well, you'll know you'll know the, the URL to, to, to give them to, but go check it out. But listen, I, I encourage, if you're still listening right now to this interview and you own a business, every business owner in the world in the fitness industry should go take this assessment. It's free. It costs you nothing. It will give you tremendous insights uh, and uh, um, start to give you, you know, direction that takes the chaos and emotion out of understanding uh, what's working, what's not, what to fix and how to fix it. That's awesome. Fantastic. Well, there it is, guys. So, uh, yeah, that link is our website slash MPE, as always, mymusproject.com slash MPE. So, just head there. Uh, the link to get that tool will be on there. Um, so that's the end of part one. And then in part two, uh, we're going to go over some, I guess, really five uh, ways to efficiently grow your fitness business. So, so some more practical tools you can actually use in there amongst those areas we talked about today uh, that can really help you guys. So we appreciate everyone for tuning in. And Sean, again, thank you for being on the show, sharing the wisdom as always. And uh, yeah, for those of you guys that are coming to the event this year, we're, we're pumped. And uh, remember, you can find it at themymuscleproject.com slash event. Uh, to register some early interest there. So thanks again, Sean. And um, yeah, we'll speak to you guys next week. Awesome, guys. Take care. Thank you, Project, for tuning in again to another episode of the My Muscle Project. Uh, we release an episode every single Monday. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, the My Muscle Project, to stay up to date with everything we're doing. And if you have some time, leave us a review and a five-star rating on iTunes. And don't forget, we have a second show of the week, The After Show. So it's no longer a rest day on Thursdays. If you have any questions for Lachlan and I for that show, head to themymuscleproject.com forward slash the after show. And if you ask questions, we'll, uh, we'll answer it on the show. Thanks again so much, Project, and we'll see you all next week.